0: Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or simply catching up on a message you've missed, we are so glad that you're connecting with God's word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at KentwoodCommunityChurch.com.
1: Well, we're starting a new series. That was a lot of stuff. We're starting a new series today, and I'm gonna ask you to stand out of respect for God's word. Pastor Debbie's gonna come back over. We're in the book of Habakkuk. I know, Habakkuk. And uh, we're gonna read chapter one. I will read the first verse. You will follow along with Pastor Debbie following. We're gonna read verses one to seven, then we're gonna jump to 12 to 13, and then we'll read chapter two, verse one. Hear the word of the Lord. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision.
0: Verse two. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? but you do not listen, violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save.
1: Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who
0: love to argue and fight. Verse four, the law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted.
1: The Lord replied, look at the nations, look at and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. Verse six.
0: I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands.
1: They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Verse 12. O
0: oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, Surely, do you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins.
1: But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they are?
0: Chapter two, verse one. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There, I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Let's pray. And I'm asking today,
1: Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, would be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, you can have a seat. That's right, the next three weeks, we're having a series through the book Habakkuk. Can somebody say Habakkuk? Habakkuk? One more time, Habakkuk. Now, if you have believers at other churches and friends, you can say, I go to a church that actually studies the book of Habakkuk. I mean, they'd be like, where is Habakkuk? It's in the Minor Prophets, somewhere near the end of the Old Testament. I am convinced when we finish these three weeks, you're gonna go, oh my word, Habakkuk is actually relevant to me today in 2021. I've entitled this series, as we look through these three chapters, From Worry to Worship. From Worry to Worship. Question is this, How common is it for you today, those that are online and those that are in the sanctuary, to live in the midst of fear, worry, and anxiety? Are you anxious? I know that as we look around in our society today, I know that most universities are telling us that six out of 10 students are now dealing with a new heightened level of anxiety, depression, panic attacks. All of these things are now becoming norm in our our society and what we're experiencing today. The world in which we live is becoming much more tense and pressure built in our lives. And if we were really honest today, we can say, yes, I love Jesus, but through the week, many of us are struggling with this thing called worry and stress. I'm calling us today as we look at this prophet and his short little book as to how we can deal with this thing that is prevalent in our lives. What are the things that are causing you to have such response of worry and anxiety? Is it because there's things you can't control? Are things not going your way? Are you frustrated about how life is panning out for you? Are there things in your life that don't simply make sense? Are there things in your life that are unfair right now? These are the things that we ask because when we get to the moment of anxiety and stress and worry, we typically go to medication and counseling and self-help books and then we go to the negative vices like alcohol and drugs and relationships to deal with this thing called a stress and worry and anxiety. And I'm here to declare to you today that this is not new. It's always been around. And the Bible has been dealing with worry and stress throughout, even in the Old Testament. And now we have this, prof, this prophet Habakkuk who's actually dealing with this. And what's his situation, I'll give, you, I'll give you straight up. He's writing in the midst of a very, very critical moment. He's got a few other buddies that are writing the same thing. The Sephaniah and Nahum are writing the same time. It's right before the kingdom's about ready to fall. Their best king, Josiah, has just died. He was a godly king. And now after him, the, the course of the nation was on a self-destruction pattern. And so he was worrying about all of this. Where is this going? He he makes that claim as we read today. They woke up and realized that this was not the nation I was born into, a serious decline. And this prophet, he's dealing with some tough stuff himself. Now here's the uniqueness about this. In the middle of the situation, he's not even talking to the, the Israelites. He's not even engaging them. The entire book is between him and God. Anybody been there? He's looking out and he's seeing the situation and he and God have a conversation. An honest conversation, because he doesn't understand what's happening all around him. And this conversation is incredibly important for us to understand. It's an honest dialogue as he had it. He would be the doubting Thomas of the Old Testament. And his name literally means Habakkuk. One of two things, wrestle with God or embrace God. There are those that are listening to my voice today, you're wrestling with God. And we see in chapter one, Habakkuk is actually wrestling with God for what he sees around him. What I'm calling us to do is this, that we, call, we come from wrestling with God to embracing God. We wrestle with God that moves us to embracing God. And that's what we see the prophet do exactly here. He starts his book out with a, ba- a big question mark. But you'll see in chapter three, he ends with an exclamation mark, embracing who God is and moving to worship Let me make it very clear to you today. The individual that worships more worries less, and the individual that worries more will worship less. So I choose to worship more and worry less. Because when you worship more, your God becomes really, really big, and your world becomes really, really small. But when you worry much, your God becomes really, really small, and your world and your situation becomes really, really big. How many that hear my voice today, you're in a moment where your world is really, really big and it's screaming at you. You have a choice what you're gonna do with this. Are you gonna wrestle with God are you gonna embrace God as the prophet did? I love the fact that as he moves this way, this is an honest dialogue. Can I say this straight up? For those of you who are new, those of you that have not really uh, engaged with church, there's been an ongoing criticism as we talk to people that have left the church and they've said the following. Church doesn't give us a safe place with safe people that we can ask tough questions. Church doesn't enable us to be able to doubt where we're at. I'm here to declare to you today, if that is you, we wanna create a place such as that. Right here at this, this church that you can have safe people in your life that you can, God can handle your tough questions. Can I get an amen? God can handle your tough situations. And, and to ignore it is, a, is really gonna only move you to more worrying. We need to have honest dialogue with God, with our honest feelings and our doubts that will move us to embracing God as the prophet did where we truly have authentic worship with him. He doesn't, as he, as he does this, this book is more of a lament. He's weeping in chapter one. Look, look at our people. They fight and they bicker. Sound like today? And and there's injustice. Does it sound like today? The courts aren't dependable. Over and over again, you see an eerie comparison of thousands of years later where we're at today. And he starts to question God. What you up to, God? Why are you letting all this happen? All of this evil? And God answers him, but I am convinced he's not happy with the answer. As you will see, he's like, I'm gonna deal with this. (laughs) And I'm gonna deal with it in a way that you won't even imagine. I'm gonna bring another nation, the Babylonians, and they're gonna judge this situation. And they're more evil than you. Anybody be excited about that? I don't think so. We see here, this is what's happening. I have a few thoughts today that move us from worry to worship. The first thing is this, number one, dealing with evil in God's answers. Dealing with evil in God's answers. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Say it again, help us, Lord. If you have your Bibles open and you are there in Habakkuk, if you can find the little book, in verses two to four, he again begins to share this problem with God, this evil. Sin is really saying to God, wickedness is the norm. It didn't used to be when Josiah was the king, but now wickedness is the norm. Destruction is everywhere. Violence reigns in the day. No justice in the courts. And the wicked outnumber the righteous. Pause right there. Time out. I am convinced some of the situations in our country that we are experiencing for the very first time is this. We have never experienced in the history of America that we were outnumbered by our faith. But that is changing as we worship here right now and here that the righteous are less than those who do not know Christ. And it is turning people sideways all over the place, moving us to worry. And this is where the prophet was at right here. What he's basically saying to us in verses two to four is this. When you walk away from the God who created you, there will always be chaos. There will always be evil. There will always be upside down stuff. But Habakkuk blames God. And therein lies the problem. Israel was in a fast spiral turning out. So we ask the same question today in our own situations that we find ourselves. Verse four, he says what? The law has become paralyzed. I'm here to tell you today we live in a world that most people don't even know the Ten Commandments. I can take you to 1 John 3, 8 where John defines sin as lawlessness. We don't, we, and as we look at our situation, do you know right now, in America, we are seeing one person come to Christ to every four people that say, I no longer believe, every single day, every single time there's one person that says yes to Jesus, four people are deconstructing their faith and saying, I no longer believe. It's a incredibly difficult moment for us as a country. We're losing literally a million people Every single year, most of them between the ages of 18 and 22 years old, who say, I no longer want to believe. And as a result of this, most of them will say about the law, I feel so much more free now that I've got now underneath that biblical Christian worldview. It is such a lie from the enemy. Because when you go out and do whatever you want to do, when it, whatever you do, whatever pleases you, there's always dire consequences. We see it over and over again. Habakkuk saw it in his day, we see it in our day, and God seems to the prophet inactive. How many of you sitting here today when we deal with this thing called evil in God's answers that if you were really honest and we provided a place for you to be honest, you're saying, God doesn't seem active. I cry out to him and yet he's not near me so I don't know where to turn. That's where the prophet was at. If you look in verse two, he says, how long must I cry out to you, Lord? Anybody been doing that? How long do I gotta cry out to you and you're not hearing me? Oh, he was hearing, but he wasn't going to give him what he needed and what he wanted. He's basically saying this, a God of love would not permit this. This is his lament. How can a God of love allow all this evil in the world? How can he permit so much suffering? If in fact, God is all loving, and God is all powerful, how can we have all of this evil in around us and suffering all around us? This is a ploy of the devil, and the ploy is this, to try to get people to think and believe that God is flawed, that he's messed up. We see it in the garden, hey Eve, the Satan said to her. God doesn't got it right. He knows if you eat of the tree of knowledge, you'll become like him, a flawed God. So Eve listened and obeyed. We're seeing that happen today all around us. And this is where the prophet was. And here's what the prophet needed to understand. Isaiah 55 clearly says, God says, you need to first understand that my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are above your thoughts. Can I get an amen? Secondly, Romans chapter nine says, what does man have to say to God? What does, the pot, what does the clay have to say to the potter? The potter can do anything he wants with the clay. In other words, God can be God, and we must be willing to know that. But evil does, is not caused by God. Yes, he allows for it, but he didn't cause it. Habakkuk, it came because there's free will, there's free choice. You, choose, you chose not, the nation chose not to. Our country chooses not to follow Jesus. And as a result, these are the consequences when we choose these things. And then he says in verses five and six, my answer to this evil is simple. I'm raising up Babylon. And they are, the Babylonians are going to take over. I know he didn't really appreciate this. And he said, you don't understand. I've already been working this way. You may or may not know the Old Testament. Here's basically the gist of it. God blessed them so they could bless the nations, amen? but instead they became like the nations, amen? And they became so bad, they started fighting internally. Sound like the church today? And then they split, just like churches split today. They had a civil war amongst themselves. Then they had two nations. They had a north nation called Israel and a southern nation called Judah. And the north nation called Israel was so wicked that God completely wiped them out with another nation called Assyria, and they so wiped them out that they assimilated them, and Israel of the north was no more to be found. And then God was trying to save Assyria. Did you know that? All you had to do is go to Jonah. He went to the capital city of Nineveh, and they repented, but for a short period of time. And then God brought his wrath upon the Assyrian. You can see here there is a rhyme and reason to God. What we've done in America really well is give partial truth of the, who God is, We say that God is love, amen? We say God is a God of hope, amen? We say that God can help the brokenhearted, amen? That he can strengthen you through all these things, that he loves you no matter what, amen? And that is absolutely 100% true, but what we do not say is that in your rebellion, there will be a consequence, and God's judgment is also a part of his love. Yes or no? And when you start preaching about the judgment of God, you will empty churches like nobody's business. But when you preach, feel good, you got it all right. God owes you this, you can fill it up. But it's a setup. It is a setup. We need to know the full gospel of Jesus and the full character who God is. Can I get an amen? amen. And he says in verse 8 to 11, this nation Babylon, they will come and they will be my wrath upon you, Judah, because you've missed it. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, he will come. But I judge Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember in Daniel, because he thought he was God. And then we see in Revelation, apply it to us, that God's judgment is coming very, very soon. So people get ready, because Jesus is coming. Anybody believe that today? Yes. The key point is simply this, evil exists and God is still in control. Amen, church? Second point is simply this, accepting God's answers. Can somebody say, I believe? believe. Say it again, I believe. believe. Verses 12 and 13, Habakkuk basically says, God is holy and God is just and God doesn't change. Anybody glad that God is immutable, that he's unchanging today? Anybody glad that God doesn't change, yeah? How many of us know that we change from one moment to the next? How many of you can sit in here today and say, hallelujah, and the next minute over here have a, have a, a curse word on your mouth? How many of you can be walking on the water and the next minute be in the boat? We are all over the place like the wave of the sea, right? But I'm here to make a declaration to you. Scripture is clear that he's saying, when we accept the answer, he's saying, I am always the same. So here's the good news, biblically speaking. That promise to to Abraham way back when, and even though the Babylonians are coming in and they're gonna take you over, they are. 70 years and you're all gonna die but I'm gonna then take you out of captivity with your children. Then my son is going to come and he's gonna provide the way and it's not gonna be just to the Jewish people, it's gonna be to all people and now you're gonna be the blessing to the nations because I haven't changed. You are the ones that have changed. My promises will stand to the end of time. Can I get an amen, church? We'll stand to the end of time but we don't like his answers because that means the worst thing of judgment could ever be given was this. You have no hope. You're going under captivity until you die. You are under somebody else's control and I'm going to allow your children to be the hope after you. But when we don't like God's answers, we begin to worry, fret, stress. We become our own gods, don't we? We begin to manipulate and maneuver. We, we, we lose our trust in who God is. We try to do things ourselves. And then how many of us try to go before God? Am I the only one that's ever tried to go before God because God's timing was just a little bit slow for me? They don't call me Mick the Quick for nothing. How many of you go before God instead of waiting? How's that worked out for you? Bad, amen. Not a good result. And finally, he says to them, how can you bring a nation more wicked than us, in verse 13, to judge us? And he says, well, wait a minute. Through the prophet of Amos, he says this. Before you call them more wicked, you need to realize they didn't have all the truth. You all had the truth, and you you walked away from the truth. Which one's more wicked? The one that never knew, or the one that knew and walked away? Yeah, you're both messed up. But you walked away from the truth, and now you're having the experience of that. I'm here to declare to you that there are Babylon's everywhere in today's world. And we need to know that God's got an answer for all of this. So we see in chapter two, verse one, the prophet goes up, and he just sits down on the wall, kinda says, okay, I'm waiting for the answers. Some of us are just sitting on the wall, saying, hey, God, do your thing. He says, you want me to do my thing? I'll do it, right? So I conclude with my third, the key point with this is this, God is just and his punishments result in our disobedience. God is just and his punishments result in our disobedience. Now the point I've been trying to get to. In the middle of the evil, and in the middle of God's answers, there's a choice. Number three, my third point is, decide to worship and trust God. Decide to worship and trust God. Somebody say worship. Worship. Say it again, worship. worship. Habakkuk had a choice. His choice was simple. Will I turn away from God or will I turn to God? Will I keep wrestling with God or will I embrace God? Even in my pain, even in my doubt, even in my struggle, trust leads to worship. I'll say it again the more I worship, the less I worry. The more I worry, the less I worship. If you walk away with anything, catch that, because it changes who you are. What is worship? I'm glad you ask. Paul tells us in chapter 12 of Romans, it's literally, I offer up my body to him for whatever he wants. And what does he call it? A living sacrifice. In the Greek, you know what that means? There's a moment of decision. Boom, I'm yours. And then from that point forward, I keep making that decision over and over again to be your person that you want me to be. This is a spiritual act of worship. I choose to do this every day. What you're experiencing here right now is an act of worship. You're wanting to be encouraged among the brethren, amen? You're wanting to be encouraged with the word of God, amen? You're choosing to do this. I want to share with you clearly that worship begins in an obedient heart. Worship begins with an obedient heart. My acts of obedience is my songs of worship to him. And our hallelujah is our weapon, friends. It is our weapon. Our hallelujah is our weapon. When I choose to give my life, when I choose to literally sing his praises and declare, we did this earlier in the service, declare what is good about God even though you may not feel it. And you are the one that has changed. I can't begin to tell you there are moments in my life and through the week where I start making that declaration of, of who God is. Start making it. Worries all over me. Worrying about my life, what I will eat and drink, and about my body, what I will wear, right? I worry, worry, worry. Then I start to focus in it on him. And I start lifting up the praise. And when I start lifting up the praise, the spirit of heaviness goes down. And you don't have to be as Emotional is me. You can be you and still bring your act of praise. Can I get an amen? amen. It is your weapon like nobody's weapon because when you start to worship, you are the one that has changed as a result. Job did it, did he not? Job lost his children. He lost his money. He lost his cattle. He lost his health. He lost the support of his wife. Curse God and died," she said. He lost his friends. And in all of that, what did he do? Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't think he felt like it. I think he chose it. And although he did this in the book, At the end of the day, he understood that I bless the name of the Lord through the good and the bad. When I understand and when I don't understand, when my emotions don't uh, betray, when they betray me, it's in all of that that I choose to praise him. Now, the beauty of all of this, my friends, is praise comes out of relationship. If you don't have relationship, what I'm saying today makes no sense whatsoever, comes out of an overflow of my love for him. So I ask you today, is your hallelujah your weapon? Are you making declarations today that only he can change? Are you praising him in the midst of the storm today? Can I get an amen? Because when I worship, I am changed. As a result, he gives me the perspective when I worship and I see God for who he is. When I worship, then I have the strength to stand even though that giant is screaming at me. When I worship, I have the encouragement to know the one who goes before me is the God who goes behind me. When I worship, I know that absolutely nothing can take me out of his hand. When I start to worship, I know I am weak, but he is strong. When I worship, I know that victory has been restored in my life and I worship, I have the wisdom to engage that which only God can grant me. When I worship, I have the motivation to keep on keeping on when everybody else says, quit, that's what worship does for us. Can I get an amen? You must choose to worship when nobody else is around. You must choose to worship as in, the three Hebrew children in Daniel when they said, I'm going to praise when everybody else is bowing. And when everybody else says, I'm going to conform, you're going to follow Jesus. Does this make sense to anybody today? So I, as we go through this book, and we all know that we're all in it, and, worship, and worry is not a one and done. It's a decision you have to stand against every moment of your life, depending on your personality, depending on your situation, but I know that I know that I know that God does not show favoritism, and the God that can deliver me is a God that can deliver you, that you can look at whatever is you're facing right now. You raise up your hallelujah, and you acknowledge that God is able, and as a result of that, you will walk by faith, not by sight, knowing that this is the reality of my life. Can I get an amen? So my prayer for us today is that we move whatever, now, you might be in the middle of a small issue, you might be in the middle of a big issue. Habakkuk was in the middle of a big issue. The nation was about to collapse. And that would cause worry on anybody. And I would say to you that pastors today, we went to a pastor's conference last week, pastors today, we learned from the conference, are in risk. We're losing pastors like nobody's business. Pastors are simply fed up. It doesn't matter what they do, what decision they make, People are leaving, regardless of what they do or do not do. We are in a moment that we've never seen in our own country. But I'm here to declare to every pastor and every leader to know is that our hope is not on how many come to our churches. Our hope is not on whether people like us. Our hope is not on whether everybody agrees with us. Our hope is found in the word of God, obeying the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lord, knowing at the end of the day he says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Can I get an amen? That's the end of the day. As much as I love all of you, when I stand before Jesus, you will not be there beside me, and I will give an account myself for what I did and did not do, as you will, and I want to know at the end of the day, when I stand before my Father and I have run this race, not perfectly, but ran it with everything that I've got, that I am still breathing and I am still panting because I gave it everything to the last Finish line, And all I want is that one big hug, that one big hug from Abba Daddy when he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. That's what I'm about. My prayer is that's what you're about. Can I get an amen, church? Here's what I'd like to do as we conclude. I'd like for you to bow your heads as the worship team comes out. We're going to have a baptism momentarily, but I'd like for you to bow your heads with me and have a moment of reflection. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would hear our cry and you would do the miraculous in our midst and you would help each and every person that can hear my voice. There's so much going on, so many stories, so many narratives that are happening right now as we speak and I'm praying that your power and your spirit could give us all that we need right now and that you would help us to see you for who you truly are. We're praying that you would help each individual to not look at their situations, but they would look to you and experience you in a powerful way. We so love you today and pray your blessing upon all that are here today and those that are feeling the challenges of uh, worry and stress. And as Brant plays the keyboards, I'm just asking today, with every head bowed and every eye uh, closed, with a hand, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward or anything like that, but with a hand raised high, you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have been struggling with this thing called worry, stress, anxiety and I want to move from that to worship knowing that my God is able and would you pray for me, is there anybody in the sanctuary, keep your hands up so I can see, keep them high because if I can't see I won't know who they are, keep them up for just a moment yes, all over the sanctuary God sees your hands, keep them up, he sees your hands and he knows your heart right now, he knows your situation I may not, but he knows it He truly wants to meet you where you're at. Let's learn from the lament of Habakkuk. May God bless each every hand that is raised right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray you'd fill them with your presence and give them exactly what they need. It's in Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said,